Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, hey, here's what I want to do this morning. We are in a series in the book of Daniel. It's an 11 week long series. We're we're a couple weeks into it, and today we're looking at Daniel chapter 2. So if you have your Bible with you and you want to open up to Daniel chapter 2, that'd be awesome. Uh, the title of today's message is, The Day is Coming. The Day is Coming. And uh, this, this title came to me because of a My Morning Jacket song. So shout out to My Morning Jacket. They're a Louisville band. My Morning Jacket, shout out to My Morning Jacket. Shout out to Jim James. Uh, and if you didn't know it, Jim James is somehow related to Stephen Oligus here. I know that's really wild. And if you go and look at the song credits, Jim James's actual last name is Oligus. People in first service, minds were blown. But I was, I was reading the text this week, and uh, in the middle of reading the text, it reminded me of a My Morning Jacket song. And I just want to put these lyrics up this morning before we get into the actual Bible, because I just want you to have this resonating around in your head. It says, says this, Jim James writes, but the day is coming and the day is near. The day is coming. You know what I mean. The day is coming. The way is clear. The day has come. By the way, those are kingdom lyrics. Coming, near, and come. This is, this is somebody who is talking about something that is relevant for us even today. Uh, the truth is, is I'm pretty sure on the surface level, this song is about maybe addiction, drug addiction, and making a decision to make a real change. That's maybe on the surface. But the thing that's under the thing is apocalypse. Somebody say the word apocalypse. apocalypse. Thank, who was over here? That was really good job. Thank you, Logan. That was really good. Uh, today's message is all about apocalypse. Uh, because Daniel chapter 2 is an apocalyptic passage. In fact, the entire book of Daniel is apocalyptic. And some of us, when we hear the word apocalypse, we hear like end of times. We, we hear doom and destruction. And that's not really what apocalypse means in the Bible. In the Bible, apocalypse means revealing. So things maybe have happened or things are happening. And then at a certain point, everything that's been covered up gets taken off, and the things you couldn't see become clear. That's what apocalypse is. And today in this passage, uh, it's, a, it's an apocalyptic revealing passage. And, and by the way, there's, no, there's more kinds of apocalypse than just one. Sometimes when we think of apocalypse, we just think book of Revelation, end times, mega apocalypse. But how many of you know that there are also garden variety apocalypses that are happening all the time? Uh, I'll give you a few examples. Um, like white-collar crime and embezzlement. This is the first thing I thought of this week. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes people work at an office, and, and after they work out an office, they figure out how all the money works. They know where the money comes in. They know how the money goes out. They know about the budget. You know, you got to watch those guys who know the budget and who have the spreadsheets. And then pretty soon they figure, you know... I could take 2% out of this budget over here and I could put it in this, in this side account and no one will what? 
No one will notice, right? Right up until the day they what? They, they get caught. And on the day they get caught, that's an apocalypse. Things had been happening that no one knew about, and we enter into a time of revealing. Like white-collar crime, embezzlement. Heather always said that if she were to become a criminal, she'd be, a, she'd be an embezzler. Uh, I, I encourage everybody in the room, the next time you have friends over for dinner, don't talk about where were you born and what do you do. Open up with this question. If you were a criminal, what kind of criminal would you be? It's really good. We just need to know what's in the room, you know? And my wife's the embezzler, by the way. Um, but there's other, kinds of, there's other kinds of apocalypses, too. I've been thinking about this, this, this one this week because it's been in the news a little bit. Uh, things like stolen valor, people who said they went to Vietnam but didn't, you know? Uh, this kind of thing happens all the time. Guys, guys love saying that they were a part of the military or whatever. And just this week, there's kind of a medium-sized story about a man who said, yeah, man, I definitely did my tours in Afghanistan, only to come to find out not only did he not go to Afghanistan, he was never a part of any branch of the military. What is that? It's an apocalypse. Things had been presented as one way, and then in the end, you find out it's something very different. And then, and then maybe finally, another kind of apocalypse is um, for those of us who, who maybe grew up watching a little daytime television. Anybody here watch daytime television? Do you enjoy those, do you enjoy those shows where they do paternity tests? You know, at the end of the show, at the end of the show, Dr. Phil comes out and he says, it is your kid. It's your kid. And when Dr. Phil tells you that it's your kid and he's holding up the papers from the paternity test, tell me if you know you're sitting in an apocalyptic moment. Some of you have been watching daytime television and you've been watching apocalypses happen on Mari Povich and on Dr. Phil for years. And you didn't even know it. Well, those are little apocalypses, but then there's also big ones. Ultimate revealing and the one that's on its way. And today, today in Daniel chapter 2, it's a really cool story. And um, uh, it's a really cool story. Maybe you've heard it at some point in Sunday school or something like that. But I want you to know this, that the hum inside of the machine this morning is revealing. It's like there's this apocalyptic thing happening. And uh, so here's what I want to do. I want to take a few minutes and just sort of like quickly walk us through the passage. It's a little bit long, so I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read some keynotes. And my good friend Cody is going to help me. Everybody give Cody a high five. Turn around at the tech booth. Give him a high five. Guys, you don't understand like tech people. We, we have to bless the tech people. They show up early. No one ever tells them thank you. And if they screw up, you know what you guys do? You turn around and look at them. You know, you let the sound get bad one time and everybody does this. <laughs> so we got to We got to give them shout outs when we can. Cody, here's what we're going to do. Daniel chapter two, one through four, because this is kind of like this is giving us the setup. So here's what's happening. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. And he called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers and he demanded, this is interesting right here, he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. And as they stood before the king, he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. 
Tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. Uh, this is really fun. Um, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He's upset by it. And then he goes to his advisors who are magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and wise guys. And he says to them, I, I need you to not just tell me what the dream means, but I need you to tell me what the dream is. And the astrologers, I love how they frame it, long live the king, that's not how it works. That's what they're saying. That's not how it works. They say, first you tell us the dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. And in Babylon, at this time, there was a long tradition of dream interpretation. In fact, they had things kind of like written down in books, and it was kind of like, it was kind of like, decoding you know on the back of a cereal box you would get you would get those like decoder rings or something and it was a little bit like that in Babylon they had these books and you know you could tell someone the dream and they would go to the book and go well you know you had you had this kind of animal in your dream and here's what it means and so the the magicians and astrologers are saying hey this is breaking the rules and uh, Nebuchadnezzar well, he, he gets a little bit upset and if we can put up verse 9 Cody Here's what he says to them. If you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. You're doomed. Uh, here's what it means when, De when Nebuchadnezzar tells you that you're doomed. He's going to cut your head off. He's, it's very Tony Soprano. Uh, anybody here watch The Sopranos? Second greatest TV show of all time. Uh, he's Tony Soprano. That's really what this is. And he's saying, if you don't tell me the dream, I'm going to cut your head off. And, and here's why. Look there because you've conspired to tell me lies. So with his closest advisors, part of what we're seeing here, the first like tiny little revealing apocalyptic moment is that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't really trust his magicians and astrologers, does he? There's something happening there. Okay. And then the next thing that happens is uh, there's kind of what I'm calling a dark prophecy. A dark prophecy in verses 10 and 11. You might even want to underline these verses. The astrologers reply to the king, no. No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, this is kind of funny, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. Verse 11, here's the prophecy. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they don't live here among the people. And so we get an, a little bit of an insight here into Babylonian cosmology. Uh, where, where do the gods live in the Babylonian mind? Up there, in heaven. And the, the dark prophecy there in verse 11 is something you probably ought to like underline because it speaks to not only what's going to happen in this text, but it speaks to the greater arc of Scripture. Uh, it speaks to the day when the gods do come and live among people in the person of Jesus. So the, the magicians... And the enchanters here in this story, they're, they're being shown to be empty. They're stumped. Uh, the word I keep coming to in my own mind is bankrupt. Then in verse 14, Daniel steps in. This is actually important. Verse 14, when Arioch, commander of the king's guard, came to kill them. Kill who? Astrologers, enchanters. And guess who's a part of that? Daniel and his three buddies. Uh, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Verse 14, 15, uh, he asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. 16, Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to see what the dream meant. And the king gave him time. So here's what I want you to see. King has a dream. Tell me what it means. We can't do it. 
And Daniel steps up and it says, hey, let me take care of this. I'm going to go talk to the king. Give us more time because we, we, need to, we need to ask God. And so the next thing that happens is Daniel and his three friends, they stay up all night and they pray. They have a prayer meeting. They're, they're Pentecostals. They stay up all night and they pray. And they ask God, would you tell us what it means? And in the night, God tells them the dream and what it means. Tells them the dream and what it means. Uh, and I want to read to you uh, verse... verse um, well, I'm not going to read it to you. I'll just tell you. I'll tell you the dream. Here's the dream and its meaning. Uh, Daniel goes to the king and he says, I've got the dream. And he says, here's the dream. You had a dream of a statue and the head was gold and the chest was silver. The legs were iron and the feet were a mixture of iron and clay. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Uh, there's no one like you. Your kingdom is great, but it's going to be replaced by an inferior kingdom, uh, which represents the silver, and that one will be replaced by the iron, and then finally, the feet, which are a mixture of iron and clay, uh, will replace it. And then at that point, a rock that was not cut from the mountain by human hands is going to roll down the mountain, and it's going to smash this statue to smithereens, and not only is it going to smash the statue, but that rock is going to turn into a mountain that will never be removed, that will endure forever. And it's the kingdom of God. That's what he tells him. And so uh, that, is, that is the dream and its meaning. And I want to read these verses to you out of 44 through 47. Daniel says this to the king. He says, In the time of those kings... The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. Verse 45, that is the meaning of the rock cut out of the mountain, though not by human hands that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. And at this point in the text, uh, you should be hearing my morning jacket again. Because the day is coming. The day is near. The day is coming. You know what I mean. The day is coming. The way is clear. The day has come. It's apocalypse. I began this message by saying it was an apocalyptic passage. And you might be thinking, well, what are the revelations? Well, I want to highlight them for you. There are four. Uh, the first the first apocalypse in this passage is this, that the finest enchanters, magicians, wise men, and astrologers in Babylon have no answers. That's the first revealing. And it's not just that they have no answers, it's also that Daniel does have answers. So the, 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 center, the center revelation in the whole passage is that the magicians and enchanters are bankrupt and Daniel has something to offer. Daniel has answers. Uh, presumably, everybody in the passage this morning went to the same school that Daniel went, went to. But there's a contrast. There's a contrast between those who went to Babylonian school and those who were born in Judah. Uh, the very people who had trained in dream interpretation were stumped dead in their tracks and their backs were against the wall. Uh, their training, their history, their culture, their power, their abilities 
had been exhausted and they were bankrupt. That's the first revelation. The magicians are bankrupt. The second revelation is this. As great as Babylon is, it will be replaced. As great as Babylon is, it will be replaced. And, and this dream is a judgment on one hand, but it's also an invitation. And this is actually a pretty big one, and it's very current for us today. Uh, Babylon will be replaced. The next kingdom after that will also be replaced. And if you noticed in the statue, the next kingdom after that will also be replaced. And the kingdom after that will be replaced. Uh, empires are going to empire, and they will be replaced. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Rome used to be a country, and now it's just a city. Every empire gets replaced. Every empire gets replaced. In another thousand years, the city of Rome might have a different name. In a thousand years, there's a very good chance that whatever the land we're living on right now won't be called America. It'll be called something else. Why? Because every empire comes to an end. Even the golden empires of Babylon, every empire comes to an end. That's the third, the second revelation. The third revelation in this passage is that the God of heaven, Yahweh, he rules above every kingdom. Not only do empires come and go, but above every single one of them is Yahweh. He's the source, he's the revealer of mysteries, and he knows what's in the dark. Like even right now, there are all these kingdoms in the world. There are all these nations. There are all these leaders. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not. There's a lot going on. And in certain corners of the world, some of what's going on is pretty hot. You know, uh, The Russians just called up another 300,000 troops to try to go take care of things that they cannot take care of in Ukraine. And right now, uh, men are literally running out of Russia, trying to get to Poland and to Germany so they, do not, so they do not have to serve in that army because they know when they step in Ukraine, there's a bullet coming for their head, right? And right now, there are kingdoms in, in, of the world that are, that are wrestling one another for territory, for mineral rights, for status, for expression, whatever you want to say, right? All of those things are happening right now. And above them all is Yahweh. He is the one. Like Babylon was the most powerful kingdom of its age. And above the most powerful kingdom of the age was, was Yahweh. He's the one who said, I see you, Nebuchadnezzar. You're the head of gold. But there's a rock coming from you and your kingdom. And it's going to smash it to bits. And it will never, ever end. So even this morning, even this morning, here's what I want you to know. It doesn't matter who rules. It doesn't matter who has control in the earth because above it all is Yahweh. Above it all is Yahweh. Number four, fourth revelation. Yahweh's kingdom is coming and it will not only replace all the other kingdoms, but it will never fail. Uh, the one thing we can say about every other empire is they come to an end. And in, the, and in the way that every other empire comes to an end, Yahweh's kingdom never fails. It's the, it's the greatest point of contrast. It will endure. In the very places where other kingdoms run into the ground, his kingdom will grow. It's the only one that lasts. One of the questions I have for us this morning in the church is this. Do you want to last? How many of you here would, would like to have a life that endures and isn't run into the ground? If you want to have a life that endures, I would suggest 
aligning yourself with the kingdom that never fails. I would suggest aligning yourself with the king that endures and the kingdom that endures. I, I would suggest for everybody here, I would suggest giving, giving your allegiance to the kingdom that will grow and be a mountain of shelter. I would suggest that for us all. And if we take all of those revelations together, it means something like this. Babylon's magic no longer works. That's what, that's what Daniel chapter 2 means. It means Babylon's magic no longer works. It's a new day. The questions of the moment in Daniel chapter 2 had outstripped the greatest kingdom of the day. In the form of a dream, the greatest kingdom is, is, is delivered a question that the wise men and astrologers cannot answer. And here's what it means. It means Babylon's magic has run out. Babylon's magic is over. The questions have outstripped the ability to answer. Secondarily, there's an invitation to let go. To let go and come into the kingdom that will never pass away. I want to talk to you about invitation a little bit this morning. This is where we're going to land. And there's an invitation for everybody in the room this morning as well. Um, here's what I believe about Daniel chapter 2. I believe that the magicians and the enchanters, uh, I believe that they're bankrupt. I believe they have no answers. That's what the Bible says. But not only do I believe that, but I believe that you and I, in this story, I believe that we are the magicians and the enchanters. I believe that we are the astrologers who have no answers. You know, a lot of times we read the Bible, and when we do, we place ourselves in the hero narrative. And it's almost always the wrong place to place yourself. Uh, instead, instead, it's a pretty good practice to take a moment and consider that we might be the ones who need help rather than being the ones who have all the answers. And here's what I believe. I believe in Daniel chapter 2, uh, I believe that the astrologers are us. I believe that we've been serving a kingdom that is about to come to an end. And I believe that in a moment where the questions outstrip the answers, I believe that we are the magicians and the astrologers who have no answers and who are bankrupt. And I believe, I believe that above our heads is written the word doomed, right? But you might be thinking, well, this is very not encouraging. I didn't, I didn't come to church for this. <laughs> well, but here's the good news. Uh, not only do I believe that we're the astrologers, I, I believe that in Daniel chapter 2, I believe that Daniel is the Christ figure. And here's why I believe that Daniel is the Christ figure. Because not only does Daniel have the answer, but in order to get the answer, Daniel puts his own life on the line, not to save himself, but to save who? The astrologers, the enchanters, the magicians, and the wise people who are bankrupt. And so I think there's an invitation here this morning to come into a little bit of self-awareness and to say, you know what, God? Before you, Yahweh, I have no answers. I, have, I, am, I am utterly bankrupt. And what I need is I need, I need you to help me. I, in the very place where I am empty, I need someone who can fill me up. In the very place where I'm bankrupt, I need someone who can pay my bill. And in the very place where I'm found where I'm found wanting, I need someone to come and make it okay.
Okay? And so the invitation this morning is to let God do just that, to trust him. I believe that Daniel is the Christ figure. In the very place where you and I are bankrupt, someone else is willing to give an answer and pull us out of the depths of trouble. You know, uh, there's, a, there's probably a hundred people in the room right now. If there's a hundred people in this room right now, here's what I know. There's trouble in this room because there's humans in this room. And in the very place that you have trouble, there is someone willing to pull you out of the depths of trouble. This is the gospel to us this morning. And that's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is God's final apocalypse. That's the reason Andrew read out of Hebrews this morning. In fact, Cody, I want to pull that up again and read those two verses. The writer of Hebrews is basically saying to us that in a world of apocalypse, in a world of revealing, that Jesus is God's final apocalypse. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Verse 2, but in these final days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is God's final word to us. And aren't you glad that the final word that God wants to give to the world and to all of creation is his son? Many of us have been expecting like the worst. I, I want to tell you something, that the last revelation, the last mystery, the last answer, the last word that God wants to speak is the mercy of his son. This is the word. And so here's what I'd like to do today. Uh, I would like to in, invite this room to receive the gift, to receive the gift. And we're going to do that in three different ways this morning. Number one, uh, there may be people in this room who need to receive Jesus. Like you've just never decided to follow Jesus and you need to do that. And I, I want to invite you to do that this morning. In fact, it's one of the things we do consistently here at the Vineyard because I know even if you grew up in church, maybe you've never decided to just let Jesus pull you out of trouble. So number one, maybe you need to follow Jesus. Number two, um, maybe you just need to receive his help today. Right? There's a lot of different ways to receive this passage. You know, one of the ways to receive this passage is there's some folks in this passage who have been asked a task and they can't deliver and someone else had to help them and maybe maybe that's a way for you to read it this morning uh, there's over 100 people in this room look there's there's people in this room who need help and i would like to say to you there is someone who sits above every nation who sits above every bit of trouble and his name is yahweh and here's what it says in daniel chapter 2 verse 27 and 28 that he's the revealer of mysteries like Yahweh knows, if you need help, he knows things. And then finally, number three, um, there may be people in this room, and you, not only do you just need help in general, but you need a specific answer. Maybe, maybe you've been praying about your life, you know? Maybe you've been praying, what, do I, what, what should I do with my life? Or where should I go? Or, or maybe you've been praying, should I, should I do this new thing? Or should I do that thing? Maybe you've been praying for a new job opportunity. Or maybe one's come. Or, or maybe, maybe you've been thinking about selling your house. Or maybe you've been thinking about getting married and you feel stuck. I've just had this sense this week that there are people who, who have decisions that are sitting in front of them that they must make 
and fight, flight, or freeze, you're not fighting, you're not flighting, but you're frozen. And what you need is the revealer of mysteries to give you a word. And so we should ask him. We should ask him. Is that cool? So that's what I'd like to do this morning. There may be some people here who just need to receive Jesus, or maybe you need help, or maybe you need a word from the revealer of mysteries. So why don't you stand this morning, and if you're on the worship band, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.